Hello, liturgists. Michael Gunger here. Excited to share this conversation with you today. It was a really fun one. Uh, with the Reverend Brianna Lynn, who many of you have heard through this season at different stages, but we've never really sat down and had a full podcast conversation together, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, okay, before we launch in, though, just a couple of pieces of news about what's going on with Liturgist, what's going to be happening. First of all, we've got a bunch of great interviews that have already happened, but that are about to come out here at the beginning of the year as we start this next season. Uh, some really fun, interesting guests that I can't wait for you to see what they have to say because it's fantastic. We've also got some groups and courses coming together for, for the new year. Group on parenting, a group on secular humanism, uh, one based on AA that I think is going to be really cool. So lots to look forward to around here. But this conversation with Brianna, I just think is a fun way to end the season. It really kind of looks back and helped me personally remember why we were crazy enough to try to pull off this season as we did uh, in the first place. So it was a good reminder and encouragement for me personally. And I also just think it gets into some really cool ideas about how we get to play together as human beings and create the world that we want. And I think in that it's a really empowering episode as well. And before we jump into the conversation, I also just wanted to take a second and thank those of you who have stepped up and supported the liturgists through this year, especially over this last month or two. You know, in the last couple podcasts, I mentioned how things were really tough for the liturgists right now financially, and we were kind of in a free fall, um, and, and honestly, we weren't really sure how we were going to continue, but many of you stepped up and, and got us out of the free fall. Thank the Lord. Uh, so we're <laughs> stabilizing out. We've got a much smaller team than we used to have. But we're ready to move forward, to get to work, and make this space a beautiful one for people like you who have questions and unique views of the world. And this is a place where you can just be who you are as we continue to make work and spaces that help people love more and suffer less. If you don't currently support the liturgists and you would like to, or you'd like to just see more what we're about and access all the materials. We have so much stuff. If you didn't know, like we don't just have a podcast. We've got multiple podcasts that are available on the website. Black History is American History. We have a, a podcast called the Alien Podcast. Uh, there's meditations about all sorts of different stuff. Meditation for kids, meditation for physical ailments, meditation for groups. There's some tantric meditations in there. There's some a bunch of oneness meditations. There's a just a huge library of meditations for those of you who are part of the liturgist community. And to be part of the liturgist community, you just have to go sign up at theliturgists.com. If you are able to support us financially as well, that's very appreciated, of course. But if not, we just still would love to have you around. This conversation with the Reverend Brianna Lynn is such a lovely one. She's such a beautiful person, a wise, creative, wild soul. So enjoy. And we'll see you next year. All the love. Hi, Brianna. Hi, Michael. So, I don't know, you've been on the podcast a bunch of times, but it's usually like as a 
a segment where you're saying something very specific and very like focused uh-huh. and and beautiful always but I, didn't, I was like people don't really know you yet it's true. much and it's true. i and i want to know you more too like, oh thank you it's like we don't get to talk very much uh so this is kind of an excuse just to hang out with you. This is the best way to get me to hang out, to be completely <laughs> honest. I am a horrible social person. I, I, I won't. I'll refuse any sort of hangout invites, but you give me something to do that yeah. makes me feel like we're doing something we're doing in the world. Something. We're changing I'm, the world. Look at us on our microphones. He asked me, do you want a headset or do you want a headphones? And I was like, yes, because it makes me feel like I'm doing something yeah. more than I actually am. Like I'm a pilot or yeah. something. Yeah. So what are we doing? We're here. We're changing the world. What do they need to know? What do we need to? What's the? What about the world needs to be changed? Put your headphones on. That's what you need to do. <laughs> I mean, when you have headphones on, I bet. Does it? What does it feel like? What's the feeling now? Does it feel like every word is a little bit more weighty? Yeah, like, and I get to hear the sound of my voice as it is. Normally, mm. when I hear it, it sounds deeper on the inside. When I hear it like mm. this, there's like a little bit. I'm like, oh, my voice is kind of lighter. I sound so <laughs> kind of garbled and and rough on the inside when i listen to myself so really? it's actually, yeah i feel a lot lighter hearing myself like interesting that. Yeah. i feel like most people don't like when they hear their voice externally i love, love it <laughs> <laughs> uh singing is a whole other thing but just talking i could i love yeah. listening to myself nice well i i again with the motivation of this being to hang out and to let people know you a little bit more this isn't a really structured conversation. So I was just going to just chat with you, kind of see how you're doing, what you're passionate about these days, how you felt about this, the podcast and, and what we've tried to do in mm-hmm. this last season. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we could start there. Yeah. Because we met through what, Emily? We met through Emily. And, and why did the idea of, an, of non-dual Christianity... Well, it was late one night after a static dance (laughs) that I sent you to go get me spring rolls. Typhoon, yes, I'm always sober, (laughs) except when I'm not. And that night I happened to be, and we were there eating spring rolls on the Mm -hmm. floor of Emily's new room. And you said, hey, I'm doing this podcast about non-dual Christianity. And I was like, hey, my life is kind of about non-dual Christianity, except I haven't used Christianity in my life in a long time. (laughs) Let's talk. Um, and we came to the conclusion at that time, it was very likely you would be at least socially martyred, if not actually physically martyred. But we said, the social part what the pretty fuck, much happened. let's go for it. Season 800 anyway. So I was down, you know, and especially my interest in, in kind of this quasi historian, historian role that I like to take on and 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 synthesize right like i like i like to take information and and digest it and then share it back in story form mm-hmm. so as a storyteller and and pseudo historian and someone who is deeply interested in just human animals like what is it that makes us tick and mm-hmm. what is our obsession with dogma and mythopoetry for meaning of life and mm-hmm. that's really where i was interested in the liturgist and and even your personal podcast and the bigger work of like what, what is it about us as humans that needs story so bad and mm-hmm. needs others to believe the same story as us and that deep oxytocin hit that we get when it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you believe the same thing I do? Yeah. 
let's be together forever. Yeah, right? <laughs> like that deep bonding. It's like a trauma bond that happens mm. when we share this belief about things that we could never actually know about. Yeah. I was thinking about belief the other day and I was, th- normally I, if I think about belief, I think of it in kind of a negative context, honestly, because mm. for me, belief has been a big source of shame. It's been a big source of anxiety through and historically in my life. Mm. Um, a big source of, of dividing who's in and who's out. Yeah. And, uh, but this, the other day I was thinking kind of about the positive aspects of belief. Um, and what we get in some of it is that, that bonding together, but there's this, I was thinking about music and how you, at any given moment when you're listening to music, here I have a guitar. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see. What's the chord? G chord. If I'm playing that second chord, if we don't have a memory of the first chord, it doesn't actually have any meaning musically. Mm-hmm. It's just at any given moment, it's just going, it's just, it's at any given moment of the music. Uh-huh. It's just, uh, it's just, ohm, right? Uh-huh. It's just, the, but when you remember that, what, what just happened? Da, 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 da. Yes. So you're using that story. Yes. You're exactly. like, you're using memory. Yes. To tell a musical story. Yes in your brain and when you there is something about like that meaning making framework of life that when somebody else has a close enough one to you you're kind of watching the same movie you're hearing the same song with them yeah yeah that context and contrast right that that what what is the setting that we're doing this and this is a guitar and these are chords mm-hmm. and then the contrast is that g to c or that like distinction between the notes and it's that almost like that rub, that binary, that, that duality that gives us context to create meaning. So every bit of our belief systems require duality, Mm. require something to push up against in order for that belief to exist. So I get you as kind of this one who's exploring the edges of existentialism Mm -hmm. into almost nihilism. (laughs) (laughs) Not almost, past. You got to go past Nihilist of the nihilists of the nihilists. You got to question your lack of meaning, too. (laughs) (laughs) I can see how... How belief in terms of um, its structure and the way that we have subscribed to it, especially in in kind of this emergent spirituality, could be seen as something um, limiting. I like to look at it as like a container, like I want to drink some water. I could pour it on the table or I could pour it in a glass. It's Mm -hmm. just more effective to drink it from the glass. Now we could drink it from the table, could make super interesting times, going to take a little bit longer, going to be super messy. But if I'm looking to get water into my body, a glass is super helpful. The problem is when the glass then latches onto my face and refuses to let go, we call that religion. So there are mm-hmm. different ways to have containers. Or when I identify which, as a glass face. Uh-huh. Right. And if you're not a glass face, then we have to destroy you. Right. You know? <laughs> so there's these ways in which we can play with belief because we actually need it. Our mm. brains can't function without belief. And the moment that we try to eradicate belief in that, we create another form of belief. Mm. So we find ourselves in this constant catch 22 in this desire to purge ourselves of all belief, in my opinion, is kind of another 
almost like chastity purity culture mm. of some sorts of like, no, let's just choose the beliefs that actually feel really good. Mm-hmm. Um, our brain, human brains, the limbic system, the frontal lobe cannot function without belief. Mm. So let's make up a really good story. Like choose your own mytho poetry adventure. Mm-hmm. Like what story do you yeah. want? Is it the Lemurians? Like if that works for you, go for it. Is it, you know, Isis and, and the story of Osiris and what happened with, like go for it. Like let your mind go and let it believe in something that it could yeah. never know is true because it's going to attach to the most convincing, convenient, effective, efficient, or fun story that's available. It's best if we choose it. Yeah. I think some of the reason that I push against holding on to any beliefs myself and why if anybody says like, what are your beliefs? I'd say, I don't have beliefs is because of what I assume about what it means. When I think when we use the word believe, we're usually clinging Mm -hmm. like, I know, but I believe as opposed to a playful. Yeah. I believe that like make believe believe. is good belief for me. But like when it turns into, here's a piece of evidence. Well, I don't care what the evidence says. I believe that, Yeah. which is, I think, how we usually use yeah. the word belief. It's like when something's not true. Yeah. I like the idea of reclaiming that innocence of belief because yeah. it is make-believe. The whole of make this believe. is make-believe, yeah. truly. Like we're just make-believe. Like I make-believe that I'm an effective human being by ha- being on podcasts. Like, yeah. And that's a useful belief for me because what comes through is a gift to me and a gift to those that it touches and not a gift to those that it doesn't. But if I didn't have that belief, I wouldn't be here. So it's like allowing it to be a tool of creativity rather than a constant system of limitations. Do we have limiting beliefs? For sure. Can belief be extremely harmful? Mm. Absolutely. But it can also be a liberator. It can also be a place where play can enter into pieces in our life that, that otherwise would be stagnant, right? Like I believe that something else is possible. I believe that we can have world leaders that aren't narcissists. Like those are important Mm -hmm. beliefs. Yeah. 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 One day. (laughs) <laughs> we stare off into the distance. I, I don't know if I share your belief on that, but <laughs> I hope. I really hope. <laughs> a couple uh, chunks down from belief, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love that you brought up play. I was actually I had a conversation with a different friend today about play because um, she was talking. Um, she was telling me about a conversation she had where there, uh, this kid. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to not say she was talking to this other guy who was talking about his kid. There's so many people in this train. So many layers. Here's here's the down to the bottom layer. This kid was at the park. Yeah. And and super outgoing and like playing with the other kids. And the dad was asking like, how do you, what do you do? You just play with these stranger kids. And he's like, dad, you just go say hi. Do you want to play? <laughs> and it was kind of like, it's funny that we as adults, and they were kind of relaying this conversation of like how much it changes as adults, because um, you're in this, when you're in this space of play, because then the dad asks his kid, like, well, then what do you do? He's like, well, whatever, you, we're playing. Like, yeah. then we do whatever. Then it's like, that, so what should we do? We're already playing. So we're in the play space. Yeah. So now let's find some specifics to do where we don't really know how to do that other than maybe like in a sexual space as adults. Or a musical. Lot of times. Or musical. Yeah. Sometimes Or dance. sports, I guess. Yeah. 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 But that, that spirit, if, I, I would love as much of my life to be that spirit as yeah. possible. It's like, well, we're just playing. Yeah. And if belief becomes that, if theology and philosophy, uh, we see it all like that. We're just, we're playing together. We're playing. We're, and we're, we're making 
we're make believe. We're so make believe. Let's if we're gonna make believe that we live in a country that this landmass is called the United States and that one's called something else, and we have this idea called the dollar, and then this other one's called whatever, then then we can go, yeah, well, let's make believe that we have a leader and then maybe we could imagine that they're not a narcissist. That would be nice. Yeah, let's make believe that. Just make believe all the whole world. Yeah, because this the microphones that we're speaking into were once make believe. Right. Right? So your glasses, my clothing, the lights that were sitting there, really cool, like purplish pink lights. These were all make believe. Yeah. Somebody's like, could you imagine could you if you imagine? could just say, Hey Siri, turn the lights purple? And then she did. That'd be so cool. That'd be the okay. best. Turn things purple. <laughs> <laughs> See, and then we made it happen. But this is the thing, we forget. We forget that the greatest superpower of human beings is imagination, yeah. it is play, it is belief. Our greatest mm. superpower is our belief. Interesting. And to write it off as something right. that has been controlled and, and dogmatized, yeah. yeah, let's inspect that. Let's let's deconstruct our beliefs around domination. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's deconstruct our beliefs of who is worthy of power and who is not, who is worthy of love and affection and who is not, mm. and who is worthy of money or time or energy energy and who is not. Yeah. Let's deconstruct the beliefs that were given to us. And remember they were all made the fuck up. Mm-hmm. All of it is make belief. Our money systems are make belief. Yeah. The way we treat children is make belief. The way we slaughter our animals is make belief. These yeah. were all someone's vision yeah. that came into reality because wow. of conviction and consistency. That's it. It goes make belief mm. and then you get into conviction and consistency and then you make it into 3d that is called manifesting. Mm. And that process is what we are doing always all the time, whether we're consciousness conscious of it or not is completely relative, mm-hmm. but that journey of creating into reality, I make believe it. I imagine it in my mind. Also sometimes called the fifth dimension is the imaginal reality space. Then I can complete it with consistency and conviction mm. and then it creates itself into this reality that's how we give birth we're all mothers we're all birthers in certain ways and we start with belief hmm so then yeah analyzing our beliefs and what are we making with this beliefs is, mm-hmm. is a a good thing to do sometimes probably analyzing deconstructing poking around and so many of our beliefs are, are connected to that lower basement level, right? Like belief is P1, but basement level, dark, 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 dark is our identity. Mm. So our identity informs our beliefs, Mm -hmm. our beliefs inform our behaviors and our behavior informs our reality. So at the very base of that is our identity. So I, I like to kind of not skip beliefs, but beliefs are more of a readout, yeah. right? They're more of a readout of what it is that we believe that we are. What I mm-hmm. believe I am right. is going to inform my beliefs, is then going to inform my behaviors, is then going to inform the world that mm. I create around me. So the very base of all beliefs is is actually our relationship with the I am, mm-hmm. the one that is in us, the one that is greater than us, and and this finite human shell. Yeah. Yeah. And how has that affected your beliefs as your identity has enlarged into the I am more? Expanded and contracted on any given day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my belief is <laughs> about my identity. That, that's meta. But really my experience of, of self um, 
through trance state, through plant teacher work, through time in nature, through time in my deep body, what I've seen and what I've breathed and what I've experienced is that there is a life force, a love force, an energy force that lives in every single living thing and is greater than us and is within each and every one of us. So that is kind of one track of the journey, almost like the the white river. And then the red river is this animal, this like flesh and blood kitty cat that I get to take care of called my body mm. that also has eternal life that its minerals and its components will return to the earth and ultimately will live forever. And that there's this merging right now, this really unique merging of the red and white rivers, the white river of my infinite spirit and the red river of my infinite body coming together in this pink zone called my human experience. And so my identity is basically synthesizing, being with, embodying, enjoying, complaining about my human experience. <laughs> and identity is how much can I play with the knowing that I have a limited amount of time to explore my infinite self in this finite form mm-hmm. of a limited time. Mm. So that's where play comes in for me. It's almost like a, an urgent play of like, I only have a limited time to play with this amount mm-hmm. of consciousness as much as I've com- accumulated in terms of awareness of self and the release of my need to control my external reality and whatever else is happening and really just focus on the play of the, of the Mm. interchange of those two rivers, infinite spirit in this, Mm. in this animal. Mm -hmm. It's very unique. Um, and so my, my work with identity in myself and and with my clients and my students that I, that I work with, that I play with, that I lean into is finding that juicy place for no matter what is happening in the world, right? Like I've been going through crazy, serious breakup and heartbreak for almost two years now. Mm -hmm. And that journey of like deep, heavy coming out of abusive cycles in a relationship can get so wary on the human spirit. And what keeps me alive is like, just the absolute fascination and the experience of like, wow, how was this created? How did I create this? What else is going on here? What in my conscious belief system, what in my unconscious belief system, Mm. it's a whole other department. What I don't know that I don't know our unconscious beliefs about ourselves and the world, these unwritten laws and rules that we have that guide our everyday decisions that we're not consciously processing. (sighs) That gets me so excited through embodiment work, through hypnosis, through neuro-linguistic programming. Like I love to explore that shit, go into those darker. And I don't mean evil or, or wrong in any place. I just mean that we just don't have consciousness. I don't have language around. I don't have understanding around going into those dark places. I'm a shadow walker. I like going into those dark places in myself and in other people to discover the gems, the treasures, the tools, the shadows that want to come forth and be in the consciousness, be Mm. in, in the awareness, in the pink river of the light of infinite spirit and in the body. But so much gets stored through trauma, through suppression, through oppression of self that I'm not allowed to to express that way or because of my identity or because of my family belonging identity, I'm not allowed to access certain emotional ranges or not allowed to access certain language patterns or not allowed to access certain possibilities within my imagination, everything from financial to sexual to spiritual to interpersonal, like our family structures and the cultures that we grow up in greatly define what it is that we believe that we are and the beliefs that we are allowed to have or not have. So that's where taboo and kink yeah. and all of that comes in. So that's that's um, a big realm that I like to explore is is what we don't know that we don't know. Yeah. Well, the unconscious is. Dun, dun, and, and it's it's it, going back to the musical analogy. Let me pick up this guitar. Let's again. pick it up. I'm, just, I'm always fascinated um, at how 
something that feels so beautiful and healthy for one person can feel so destructive for another person. Like literally somebody's medicine is somebody's poison. Yeah. And somebody's treasure, somebody's trash. Like that really is true. And when you think about how much of our story, how much of the, the experience that's tying the music together of our life is unconscious and memory and the story that's putting certain memories together and forming a narrative. It's literally everything, everything about our experience, which makes me think, go to that, that music chord. So we, before we went to the G and then to the C. And if this is, if this is your root, if this is the unconscious place, mm-hmm. so that's the unconscious thing that's not being played right now. And then I just come and play a C that has a place in your mind. You go, oh, that's kind of consonant with my mm-hmm. my beliefs. Sorry, my guitar's out of tune. Um, but if, on the other hand, your uh, root is like F sharp, mm-hmm. if this is where you're at, okay, and you're just kind of hanging out there, and then that's the unspoken, that's the world you're inhabiting, la, 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 okay, and then I just come forward, and I'm like, here, I got a chord for you. It's not, it's like, oh, that, yeah, that's not at home. That's not at home. I mean, it's called it's, attraction, right? Like that unconscious place where it's like, oh, that person is attractive. 99.9% of what we're attracted to, we have no idea what the fuck is even happening. Most of it's going to be biochemical and that unconscious chord. Yeah. Something that reminds us of something yes. that we're not even consciously aware of that creates the desire for that food or for that person or for that thing. Attraction and charge. The majority of attraction and charge is not conscious. Yeah. We don't have control over it. We don't know where it comes from. We can't identify it or name it. It's a feeling. That's where we find all of our unconscious belief system yeah. in our bodies. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I was trying to get at with this last season with the non-dual Christianity is like, if I'm hearing that, when I'm hearing Jesus and Holy Spirit and salvation and all the words, or I come across a cross on a building, my if my unconscious music that is giving meaning to all of that mm-hmm. is this key that keeps creating dissonance in me <laughs> when I see these things, when I hear these things, and creating trauma in me and in others, is there another way? Can we... Can we look, is there another kind of music maybe that that came from or that it could come from? Mm -hmm. That those expressions, that those words could find a different contextual embodied experience for now that is actually a little more harmonious and a little bit more beautiful and a little bit more musical. Yeah. Um, And for me, it's actually wasn't a very effective season. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And there are some, there are some out there that, that have reported the same that like, doing that work of kind of like the unconscious beliefs about what is God, what is all these, all these words and tools and chords that keep being played around us. Um, when we get down into the unconscious and like, and the meaning of, of these things and kind of reframing them, uh, it actually has made my relationship with Christianity remarkably different through this season. Like I, I can hear, those chords now, and it actually strikes a beautiful note for me. Yeah, I love hearing that. It's so, I mean, there's a reclamation process that I feel 
for human beings who want to heal that we get to do with all parts of ourself, with all aspects of what has happened to us that has occurred through us in this lifetime. And this piece around, you know, Christianity and exploring these other chords is profound for me, um, having been raised in the church and always having found that dissonance mm-hmm. from a very young age, mm-hmm. I was the one asking the questions, but what about the children yeah. in Southeast Asia who mm-hmm. don't have access to the Bible right now? You know, that one. And, um, this feeling in my body of knowing infinite joy of knowing just ecstatic bliss is like a giggly, super outgoing young girl and associating that energy with God from a very young age and then feeling a very different frequency around judgment and Mm -hmm. um, prosecution, specifically like historical prosecution that Mm. the church brought forward. The challenge in when we start to address shared belief systems, right? The Mm. challenge in this is that the cord is then drilled into the identity that to challenge the belief is then to challenge the individual. And that's where I feel like the liturgists, um, trespassed. No, they, they, (laughs) you did a really brave Mm. thing. You started to question people's identities Mm. by questioning their belief systems. So while, you and I can sit here as individuals who deconstructed their belief systems and didn't die. Um, the majority of human beings right now, in my experience, specifically in, in modern Western culture, Europe, United States, non-earth-based people, we are not taught how to question our belief systems. We're actually taught from a very young age to obey belief systems, yeah. school systems, medical systems, governmental systems, authoritative systems. Mm-hmm. Um, to render to Caesars what is Caesars, you know what I mean? Like pay yeah. attention and, and and follow the laws. And so for something like religion, that is one of the core identities that humans hold on to. Like I was saying earlier, mythopoetry, dogma, it's a it's a vital part of our neural pathology that in order to have our brain fully functioning, we do need to believe in certain things mm-hmm. in order to just trust that the light will turn on, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a belief system. Yeah, I'm going to flip right. on this switch and the lights are going to turn on, right? Yeah. So there's certain beliefs that are almost like encoded into our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. What happens with religion through consistency and through the, um, conviction, the emotional experience that's created again and again. It's about emotion. It's about feeling. When that feeling experience is created again and again, our neural pathways, the folds in our brain get deeper and deeper and deeper. When a belief gets deep enough, it turns into an identity. Mm. I am a Christian. And when someone says, I am a Christian, Granted, that has a whole slew of right. meaning and ideology and dogma that's very specific to that individual and specific to their community and their culture and the time and space that they were born in. And you could say that anywhere in the world and have like, I would say 20 things that are very similar for I am a Christian, no matter where you're at in the world. So to start to deconstruct belief systems that are associated with that identity Mm -hmm. when most people's identity are based on a survival mechanism. If I am not this, then I'm not going to survive. If I am not this, I'm not going to have everlasting life. If this isn't true, then that means reality completely dissolves. Existentially threatened. Yeah. Yeah. And people will defend their existential containers to the death (laughs) more than their own (laughs) physical life. Yeah. So Oof. you took on a big chunk. 
I acknowledge you. I applaud you. I'm on the journey with you, hobbling right along. You know what I mean? Pushing the broken wheelbarrow behind you. Like, we got this, Michael. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. No big deal. We'll just plant a garden. No big deal. You don't need a podcast. We'll grow your own food in your back and little yard right here. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense in retrospect why. I mean, it, it made sense beforehand. We did say people aren't going to like yeah, this very much. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you safe ported them. We're going to spank you and you probably won't like it. I'm going to deconstruct an identity that has been a basis of your survival. Right? <laughs> We're just going to poke some holes in the thing that you've been told that if you poke holes in, you will burn for all of eternity. Oh, my God. You did that. Wow. I feel like I want to say sorry, but I'm also kind of not sorry. Yeah. It's a very dominatrix thing. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, bitch. <laughs> Just dommed you a little bit. Yeah. You need consent. Yeah. You need consent, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's so, the play button in in, in podcast, podcast terms. Yeah. You know, that's like kind of like an unwritten consent. You didn't necessarily like come up 1984 Big Brother style into no, people's true. homes. You didn't do that. You didn't invade people's space, but they sure spoke to you like you did. I was reading some of those comments. I was like, did he come to your door? <laughs> And like force you to listen. Did he force you to listen to all of episode four? Because you sure are acting like episode four is just straight up sodomy in your world right now. And I'm really curious, darling. What is this? And 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 that it's almost like another identity that's built the defender. Right? I get to watch it in myself. Hmm. I have the the righteous defender yeah. that comes to my rescue when my identity is threatened. Ooh. And the righteous defender for me feels like fire in my belly yeah. and it feels like my jaw gets tightened and I can't wait for the person to oh, shut up so I can say what it is. Yeah. Just shut the fuck up so I can say what it is that I need yeah. to say. My righteous defender always knows what to say next. Ooh, the righteous defender. And you really activated some righteous <laughs> defender. It's a survival mechanism. Yeah. And it's really like when I, when I'm in my compassionate heart and my deep womb space, like I can feel that and I can, okay, yeah. they're just in their righteous defender. Okay. And other times I'm like, I'm going to fuck a motherfucker. I'm yeah. going to righteous. I'm well, going to get my own righteous get your- defender. <laughs> what the fuck? Your identity is just limited. You're the reason why the whole planet's burning. What are you doing? You know, I'll call them here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is nice. It is nice to remember that that is a, survival mechanism like their bodies are doing what they should yeah by trying to keep them alive Mm -hmm. and that consistent elation of emotion attached with that if you question this experience you will burn in hell or you will be exiled from your community having that written into their bodies and their brains again and again and again and again they listen to one podcast you're going up against two decades of of church indoctrination like the yeah, fact two, that three, you got four, through, five, six. I mean, you know so the many... fact that you got through to so many people is a miracle actually yeah we, we started a conversation with the largest dogmatic institution yeah. that has infiltrated identities for the past 2000 yeah. years like this yeah. was no small undertaking and there was something you said in the original conversation over those spring rolls that i 
held true to was like, even if this podcast burns, even if the whole thing burns just to archive it Mm. in human history so that our, you know, future ancestors know that we tried. Yeah. We wanted to have the conversation. We understand that Christianity in its current form is inherently destructive and divisive and causes war. Mm-hmm. causes a lot of problems on our planet. We understand that as those who are recovering from the Christian church and truly believe in the mythopoetry of the beauty of yeah. Yeshua and the unconditional love that is the frequency yeah. of that poetry. When I read the Psalms, I sob, yeah. right? Like when I can get on my knees and be like, yeah, Lord, take this from my chest. Yeah. And I feel that relief in my system to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to share in a conversation about that. That also doesn't include systems of oppression and keeping women underneath men and still justifying slavery on the planet. I would love to have that conversation in a deeper way. And there are spaces where we can do that. And it's going to threaten a lot of individuals' identities that are wrapped into the way the dogma is currently being served, which is mm. all about authoritarian control and obedience. So the immediate, the, as soon as we start to question anything, we're already in the territory of going against the dogma of Christianity because within that, it's to not question. It's to not yeah. um, ask why is that person leading? It's to not question why this type of authoritarian rule, even to question, even though the questions that we went into are very interesting, even just the idea of questioning it is going to threaten a lot of people's identities. Mm. Uh, so you've done good. Thank you, Brianna. You're welcome, Michael. I'm, feel, I'm actually feeling quite encouraged. Yeah. I was, I've been kind of in a space more unconsciously, but, just kind of like, well, was that a big waste of time? <laughs> um, but that that's a good reminder of yeah. why we did this. Yeah. And yeah. thank you for, that's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being part of it and bringing all your wisdom. And I do, I, I do think it's a, it's been a beautiful contribution to the human conversation about Christianity. Like I agree. if, if, humans there's a handful of us willing to like have hard scary conversations about it that because even for us i'm sure for all the people that were part of these conversations there's some aspects of of that stuff that's lingering in the bones and the basements certainly so it's still a scary conversation to have sometimes yeah it's like um, any sort of identity that is associated with survival, right? Like existential or spiritual is one of them. Financial is mm-hmm. another, like that our financial systems aren't real and are completely made up. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard conversation for people yeah. to have because mm-hmm. their identity is wrapped around their job, how much money they make or mm-hmm. don't make. And so that's another sensitive one. Sexuality and oh, the agreements yeah. around sexuality, mm-hmm. structures of marriage and relations. Like, no, this is just what is. Like, right. this is how we operate or this is not how we operate those directly question people's sense of self mm-hmm. and so good and evil yeah yeah um and so going into any sort of like relativeness yeah. in these conversations for those who are in the survival mechanism of needing to have it defined right here's the thing is actually all of them have been made up yeah 
religion, the way we interact sexually, our mm. agreements around marriage and relations, our agreements around financial structures, our agreements around education and medicine. We made all this shit up. Yeah. None of it's real. And it's only real because we all subscribe to that belief system. Traffic only runs because we all subscribe to the belief system of the green light. Mm-hmm. It's all beliefs. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> which on the other side of the sheer terror of it is absolute freedom. Totally. Because then, then we do get to make believe the world we want. Yeah. And we've lost touch with that child who knows how to play at the playground. And we become that anxious father. That's like, what the fuck is play? Exactly. How do we, how do we structure play? How do we wait? What's happening next? There's a little script for play. Can someone give me a cue here? (laughs) It's almost like too much freedom. We talk about freedom as this like really beautiful, expansive thing. The first time I felt real freedom in my body, I had a breakdown. Mm. I lost it. Wow. I had no sense of myself. Mm. I had an ex- existential experience when I was 15, a non-dual existential experience when I was 15. I couldn't speak for a week. Wow. It was frightening. Yeah. The concept that everything in my reality is something that I or yeah. something else that I can't touch has created. Yeah. What the fuck? There's no reality. There's no truth. Yeah. To really rest in that for most human nervous systems, they won't even go there. Mm. No. Because that means that the job that they have, they have choice about. The relationship that they have, they have choice about. Yeah. The microphone that we're using. you're just flying. You're just flying in the middle of midair. And, and that's scary. That's scary. <laughs> that's scary. That we that there's actually no authority on this planet or any other planet or anywhere else in the universe that can tell us what's going on. Yeah. That authoritarianism is a lie. That there is no hierarchy, neither human nor angelic nor astral nor any other imagination that we are all just one trying to figure it out in sometimes beautiful and sometimes really sloppy ways that there is no benevolent force that is making conscious decisions for us or some maniacal force that's out to get us but it's really human consciousness contributing to the human consciousness bank account that creates our belief systems that we give into and that we also feed from we've created this whole thing that's a lot of responsibility yeah and it really does on the precipice of it, on the precipice of that freedom, it does it does feel like the precipice of death. Uh, it is. It is the precipice of death. It's a hundred percent. It's like, to, and so why would you leap off the cliff? <laughs> Other than grace shoves you off. <laughs> yeah, grace shoves you off, and and the thing is, is that life shoves you off, right? Yeah. Like a, a sudden death of of someone yeah. that you love, uh, diagnoses, unexpected cancer diagnoses, uh, the pandemic, um, moments of trauma will kick us off that cliff. Yeah. And so some of us practice jumping and mm-hmm. others don't, and there's no right or wrong way to do this, but we all get to navigate our relationship with death. I love how close this is to Sawin. We just had Halloween yesterday and Sawin this year is on November 6th, 15 degrees of Scorpio, which is the Celtic holiday of celebrating death. It's also their new year. And I spoke about this in one of the liturgist podcasts, actually our yeah. relationship with death that, in the Celtic tradition, the Celtic indigenous tradition, it, you can't have life without death. Mm-hmm. And so the wearing of black, that's a representation of the silted soil, of the soil that's very fertile. In order to have life, all the things have to die in it in order for us to be able to have life. Again, that death is intrinsically linked to life and our rejection of death is actually our rejection of life. In my experience, the people who do not leap off the cliff are also dying of boredom. Mm 
or dying of some sort of external routine mm. that's not authentically living life like the artist that they are. Every human is an artist. Mm. Every human is here to bring a song, a painting, a dance, a movement, a speech, a shoe design that only they can uniquely bring. And when we get into mechanized routines that were created by an outside force that utilizes us as working batteries for their own vision, for their own end, for their own Thailand island buying adventures then we're just back in the matrix we literally are just human batteries Mm. and in order to escape the matrix we have to have a relationship with death Mm -hmm. yeah and the ironic thing and this is what this is kind of at the core of what i love about christianity is the cross being at the center is like at that death is this crazy unexpected resurrection yeah where all the things that you were afraid of like jumping off you think it's now it's going to be chaotic and full of stress and full of suffering and so you're afraid you better not you better hold on you see it's you like look back at where you were standing on the cliff and that's what you were holding on to you were holding on to the suffering you were holding on to the chaos you were holding on to the it's actually just free peace bliss out there yeah <laughs> it's a, it but it making that jump um is literally like turning the universe upside down it's, yeah yeah, because it's a release of identity. Yeah. That's what the jump ultimately is. It's saying, I actually don't know who I am. Yeah. And the continual relationship with death is like, we will never really know. And as soon as yeah. I start to know who I am again, then it's time to die again. Right. And there's this, I know that I've done this, idealized, like, okay, I've died enough now. Like, okay, <laughs> then I'll get to the point <laughs> where, like, I'll just have life and life will just do good things for me because I've done, like, A Course in Miracles and, like, got it figured out, right? Like, and now it's just going to be easy. And, like, I get the spiritual gold badge of, like, I get to be financially wealthy and I get to have the right partner and I get to have these things, which is just another form of the lie of the American dream. Let's just mm-hmm. be really clear. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen how law of attraction and manifestation has been just covertly, I mean, in my opinion, overtly usurped and utilized as another tool of just this lie of the American dream. There Mm, is no timeline. There is no way to do these things. It's time to have a child when you're pregnant. It's time to move across country when you feel that desire. It's time to do that thing when we make that choice, when we make believe it, when we imagine it, and then we decide to be consistent in our action and consistent in what it is that we're telling ourselves and show up with conviction, show up with the emotionality. It will happen in this in this reality through choice, conviction, and consistency. And that is 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 wild because we're, we're co-creating our reality with all other human beings and mm-hmm. it's not happening to me. It's happening through me. Mm-hmm. This isn't happening to me. This is happening through me. And once I started to get in rapport with that, ah, uh, it was like, fuck man, my victimization of myself isn't working the same way it used yeah. to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how hard life has been and how much I've been through. And, you know, I've got, I've got my own little violin I can play to at any time. And like life is happening through me. I am co-creating this reality through my conscious and unconscious belief systems. Okay. What do I want to create next? Mm -hmm. That's, that's one of my favorite questions to come back to with the people that I work with and with myself of like, okay, here's what I've created up till now. Cool inventory. What's actually my big D desire, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what do I see for myself? What do I see for the world? 
what do I see that's possible for our planet? What, what's possible for women? What's possible for the way we can grow our food? What's possible for the way that we design our clothes? What's possible for a relationship? What's mm. possible for intimacy? Until we're at the point, until I got to the point where my identity wasn't fighting every existential question I had, it was only then I could really make believe in a space that didn't exist yeah. yet as an adult. Mm. To come back to make believing in a space that doesn't exist yet, uh, mm. to be irrational yeah. with my dreams, to mm. be irrational with my make believe, because this microphone's cool, but like, what if it was just floating? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, really starting to take imagination to that next level. And I'm not that passionate about microphones, but I am passionate about dismantling systems of of oppression and equality and intimacy. I see like the possibility for world leaders to be an incredible intimate relationship with the people that they get to lead and love and serve. I see intimacy as the key code for unlocking so much on our planet. I also see it as the number one thing that we are all so hungry for to touch and be touched in a deep way to see and be seen, to actually be seen in all that we are and to be loved, Mm. not in spite, irregardless, but because of the humanness. Mm. Um, And so that would be my biggest invitation to the two people who are listening. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Is that part of of what's... What's next? Are you saying what you're wanting to create next? What, what is it? What is, what's the desire right now? What's the big, that's ringing? a great one. Well, I mean, my invitation would be to like, let ourselves play in, in the bigger dream in, in sure the person for our personal lives, but also the collective for the planet. Like what, what do we actually want as humanity? Start seeing ourselves as global participants, that this isn't a conversation in isolation just between you and I in the studio and the back part of your property. This is a global conversation around Mm. when we as human beings make believe together, we actually Mm. do create our planet. Yeah. Um, And what am I? Well, we are whether we're trying or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Already always creating our reality, co-creating our reality with our conscious and unconscious belief systems. Yeah, for me right now, I'm really, when I, when I close my eyes and I get really quiet and I ask my heart, ask my body, like, what, what do you want? Like, she really wants to live next to a waterfall Mm. on a land that is growing its own food where Mm. the children that I birth or other children that are around me can be safe and free and where I can do my work in a beautiful place, in a beautiful way and invite people to come and have an example, not the example, but an example of another way of living Mm. because I miss being naked in the jungle all the time. Mm. I miss um, the certain type of freedom that comes from not having linear schedule all the time. Hmm. And it feels personal and it also feels deeply calling to the animal body, right? Hmm. That red river that I was speaking of, that the animal body, the animal nervous system actually wants to be free too. That it's not just a mental concept, that it's actually a physical, freedom is a physical experience, that happens when I don't have to make my body do something that it actually doesn't want to do. Even just 24 hours of letting body do what it wants to Mm. do is such an incredibly freeing experience. And Mm. like, I let myself have tastes of it from time to time, but to like really go into the trust of the human animal, Mm. um, 
is, is, is something I'm playing with, right? Yeah. Starting to play make-believe with and have these like micro experiences of it. And even in the way that I facilitate, I used to be very structured and have the whole weekend facilitate. And now I'm like letting myself play a lot more mm-hmm. in, in the way that I teach and the way that I guide yeah. to not Love need that. so much of, okay, then, then the next step is this process. Right. And those are great. And I think that helped me establish where I'm at now, which is, it's like, I'm just going to actually just feel the energy mm-hmm. and feel what my body wants to do yeah. and then name it. And then if we can agree that that's something we want to do together, then let's do that. Yeah. That to me is play. Um, feeling what's alive, what's emergent in the space of creativity and fun, and then coming to mutual agreement around what that could look like for mm. us. So what does it look like when you're doing that? Like a day where you're letting the animal do what she wants to do. Yeah. Like the one that I did the other day was I, I stayed in bed a little bit longer than I normally do. And then I made my beverage and got back into bed and snuggled with my dog Luna. And then I went for a really long barefoot walk, like slow. Hmm. And we have trails right behind our house and just like slowly walked. And I'm, I'm a pretty quick walker and I love cardiovascular. I love to work my, my animal body, but this was more of like, just like let her feel something. Yeah. Um, instead of needing to get somewhere or needing to get my heart rate up or, yeah, or right. think about the calorie intake or whatever the fuck my unconscious brain is still doing to try to control my <laughs> woman body. It's deep. That one's deep. I was just like, fuck that shit. I just need to walk barefoot and like feel. And it was, it was interesting. The first few minutes, uh, probably longer, first 15 minutes or so of the walk, I had to like physically slow myself down because mm. I was hurting my feet. I was mm. like, I'm used to running in shoes yeah, and yeah. here I am. And, and to really take some time. And then after that, um, I came back home and made some food. And when I made food this day, it was like actually making food. Not like just making food so I can get on to the next mm-hmm. thing, but being like, oh, okay, like what does it sound like when the kale hits this coconut oil on the pan and paying attention to the sensual experience? Mm-hmm. What is it? What's the smell of kale when cumin hits it at just the right temperature with just the right amount of oil on it? Like what is, what is that like? And what is, what is the texture of the salt in my hands? And just, it's not so much conscious questions. I'm slowing it a bit down to yeah. give linguistics, but it's, it's more of, my practice is breast sound movement touch, which is uh, a practice that I developed to help get our conscious mind into the body more. And so I've been able to bring this practice into my day-to-day activities of whether it's washing dishes or pouring salt, or even like, as I'm closing my eyes and recalling now and like using my hands to touch texture, um, to, to relearn the importance of texture in our world, Mm. not just in the qualia of, of my touch, but in the qualia of my breath, like the Mm. texture of my breath, the texture of my voice, the texture of my clothing on my skin coming back to the sensual experience has been the key code for play for me. And I don't mean sensual, like I'm going to do a striptease. I mean the five senses and in the five senses is the most sexy, sensual thing in the whole world without the fishnets. Like that's actually where it lives is just being a human animal. That's where it all begins. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to romanticize it and like say that that's where we need to live all the time. I just feel that as human animals, we've become so compartmentalized in just the functionality of our yeah. brain mm-hmm. that the human animal, the red river gets disregarded. Yeah. Yeah. That's for me. I've been thinking of it in terms of like story mode, mm-hmm. like in a, like how your main, your brain can be in 
story mode. You can like be in story, or you can like switch to like sensual mode, yeah, or like sensation mode. Yes, and they're different modes. Neither is better than the other. Right, like they're both useful modes. But I think most of us go around so much in story mode, meaning that everything is a means to an end. Yes. Everything is a, is a a prop for our needs and desires to get somewhere else, as opposed to actually paying attention to the experience of it like mechanically, sensually, animalistically. Mm-hmm. And that switch really can be a powerful um just staying in that mode mm-hmm. some of the day really changes life. And then story mode can be more powerful. You have more all your batteries going to story mode all the time and it's put some in the other mode. And, totally. and it, it really I find it enriches all of it. Absolutely. And it is, it's the judgment of the mind or the goodness or the badness that we've allocated to the sensational experience. Like what we smell like, what we taste like, what we look like, what we sound like has so much judgment around it. And so much, I mean, our entire billion, multi-billion dollar beauty industry is Mm -hmm. all around like cutting off our senses from our physical body, like Mm -hmm. smell different, look different, taste different. And it's like, well, why Mm. why why what's wrong with the animal what's wrong there's actually nothing wrong and if i do have a horrible smell like that's usually an indicator of a health issue i'd want (laughs) to be able to smell that and so there's this there's this um it's almost like a a Mm. pre-step to becoming deeper into the sensation or deeper into the sensual body which is like starting to deconstruct the judgments like starting to deconstruct what we consider to be good or bad. And when I say deconstruct, I just mean question. Mm -hmm. Like, is that good or is that bad? Like are clean clothes better than dirty Mm -hmm. clothes? I'm not saying either way, but like, what does that actually mean? Like Mm. is showering every day, like absolutely necessary? Like who told us that and why? Like removing all of women's body hair. Like, what is that? Like, again, not good, not bad, but just like, why? Mm why these social norms specifically around our animal body? Like, why do we wear the clothes that we wear? Mm -hmm. Why don't we wear the clothes that we wear? Why is it illegal for me to be wearing these leggings in Southern India, but like kind of modest here in Southern California? Like, what are these constructs, the rules and the yeses and the nos that we put on ourselves that basically keep us away from like, in my opinion, the key code to liberation, which is the human animal. Hmm. So much of religion and spirituality has focused on the white river, yes. the human spirit, yes. which has a beautiful infinite potential, but our body is also infinite. Our body never dies. Hmm. Though the heart stops working, the cells will continue right. on. <laughs> These things transmute and transform. You cannot create nor destroy anything. Hmm. So my body is also eternal. So there is a way to get in touch with eternal life through the sensational experience hmm. as much as there is to transcend the human experience. The majority of dogmatic religions, Abrahamic religions on the planet right now are what we call masculine based or alpha based or the the triangle facing up, which is about ascending, yeah. getting out of the body, getting out of the human experience and realizing our infinite potential through the conscious mind connection to infinite creator. That's beautiful. White river is great. You can also have that experience by going to the infinite sensation in the now moment. Yeah. Like we can get lost in each other's eyes. We can yeah. get lost in the tenor of each other's voices. That's also God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's not, the the extreme human suffering like there's there's pain in the animal world but there's not the level of like 
hell that people go through exists in story mode that exists in our minds when we're going it's not just the sensation it's i should be experiencing some other sensation uh-huh. than this yes and so it's another aside from it being a life enricher it's like it actually is the difference it can literally be the difference between living in heaven or hell yeah <laughs> like being able to move right into the sensation of the now as opposed to living in this abstract universe that keeps circling and suffering of like everything's wrong everything's wrong everything's wrong everything's wrong mm-hmm. that only when exists i achieve in the mind. that thing then i'll somehow alleviate my suffering like when i achieve yeah. the love of christ then i'll alleviate my suffering or yeah. when i achieve that pay raise in my work i'll alleviate that suffering when i achieve that relationship or i get into that marriage or i have that child like that is the dangling carrot right it's great to have a job it's great to have a beautiful paying job it's great to get married and have kids if that's what you choose if you choose it Mm. the problem is the challenge is is that most of the time what we're prescribed to be the thing that's going to end our suffering is not going to end our suffering and Mm -hmm. we didn't choose it fully it was sold to us as a ticket out of our own hell Mm. that once you achieve this then you won't have to die anymore yeah we have to die every day. Yeah, every moment. <laughs> every moment yeah. to let my identity go and let flow through wants to flow through. And that's how I can play on the playground again. Like, yeah, and then story mode becomes a toy for the real world as yeah. opposed to, I think what happens because it's a, such a powerful mode, it kind of reverses itself and thinks that sensational mode, that the, that the animal material now is something that the mind can focus on doing as opposed to like the mind is, is also just an expression of body. the animal body. Uh-huh. Isn't it so cute? <laughs> <laughs> there actually is no mind body connection because there never was a separation to begin right, with. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, we're so cute. <laughs> Our little conceptual selves just running around. <laughs> We're right true. here. We're just right here. We're just in yeah. this body. And the the journey, I, I'll just speak for myself personally, the journey of allowing myself to slow down to the natural pace of who I be is a forever becoming, a forever Re, rechecking in with myself, right? Like mm-hmm. coming out of traffic or right. coming out of a conversation or coming out of influences of other story to return to the pace of my own natural animal is, is a challenge, right? Yeah. Is, is, is that place where we can feel so out of sync with other human beings who are deep in story mode. When we start to wake up to the sensual experience, it can be really intimidating and overwhelming to be with other humans who are still constantly yeah. in story. One thing that's been really helpful as, as what would be considered a teacher, I've really taken on the definition of teacher of like, I'm just a student narrating my experience. Mm. I'm just learning how to put linguistics to my sensational experience and transmitting that in the best way that I can mm. to give others insight and bridges to walk themselves home. Our body is our home. This planet is our home. Like, let's be here. Let's celebrate. Let's co-create. And let's heal the bullshit that has been going on for tens of thousands of years. And let's create and celebrate in the meantime, right? To not become so drudgerous in our spiritual or emotional or even financial work. 
if we're not enjoying it, it's actually not the point. Even if we're talking about uh. dismantling systems of oppression, or even if we're talking about sex slavery, even if we're talking about these things, there is a way to bring human joy as the element to the play, to yeah. the make believe, because we have to make believe if we want it to be real. Yeah. We have to make believe first. Yeah. It makes me think about like when we used to build snow forts as a kid and it wasn't like we were by being in play mode and by being in this, just the fun of how good can we make this fort? We were striving to make it the best it could be. We were like, no, this is not good enough. Get rid of that part. Look at serious Let's, play, you know? That, yeah, we don't want mm-hmm. that. That'll, that'll collapse on itself. We need to take this seriously. You know, somebody pack that better. Like we're working hard yeah. Yeah. and it was play. It was, there was no, it was completely enjoyable. There was no shame about like, I can't believe that wall was... Th- you know, he like, didn't clock in for his wall building time today for our yeah. play. Yeah. So it's not, I think that's maybe part of our concern of why, what keeps us from that playful zone sometimes is like, well, we got shit to do. Yeah. Well, how, there's also the question of like, how do we best do it? How do we best create an equitable, just, beautiful society? I don't think it's in, I don't think it's by not enjoying our lives. I don't think that makes a better society. Yeah, no. And play isn't necessarily what we're doing, but it's what we're doing, how we're doing it. Yeah. Not the what. Like play is not a what. Play is a how. Yes, that goes back to that kid. Like, well, then what do you do? You do whatever. You're playing. You're playing. Like right now we're playing. We didn't have a structure. We didn't kind of be like, we're going to talk about this and make sure to hit these points. It's like, let's be in the spontaneous prayer of what wants to be spoken through these interesting flesh puppets that we're sitting in right now, Michael. It's just a a play date. It's a play date. And to start to frame, right, belief, start to frame our reality, make believe that we can make believe whenever the fuck we want. Permission to play. Just yeah. give all the listeners permission to play. We just give mm. us, give myself permission to play. We yeah. give Michael permission to play. We give ourselves permission to play. And play is that exuberance and creativity of not knowing what's happening next and coming to mutual agreements about what is possible now. Yeah. That's play. That's it. Spontaneity and agreements. Well, what are you all listening for? Go play. <laughs> Let's go play outside, Let's go guys. Play outside. Come on. It's playtime. Playtime. Yeah. So sweet. I love it. Sweetest. Yeah. I mean, what else? That's, that's it. That's it. That's why we're here. We're here to learn how to play in a good way and create beautiful things. Let's create beautiful mm-hmm. things. Oh my God. Safe, beautiful, fun, freeing, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. Yeah. It's not so much what we're doing. It's about how we're doing it. Ah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's my favorite sound of a smile. Just yeah, (laughs) it's like a kiss. It is. It is. It's a. It's a self kiss. Self kiss. Smile is us kissing ourselves. (laughs) 